Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 134 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I've got Kurt Mortensen here with me, and I need to, well, I got a couple of apologies to make to the listeners. Number one, last week I wasn't here. Just dogged us, just gone, I just, off the map. I just sold out. I think Maybe that's why we had a million downloads of the show last week, because I wasn't there. <laughs> that's right. Well, after I quit crying, got past my emotional scars, I ended up, did the show, but gone. It's always good for business when you've stopped crying. <laughs> that is you know, you're getting in control getting past the tears you know yeah you know. yeah yeah. you got to get a grip man <laughs> emotions are so close to the surface for kurt that's right just right there yeah well and i have a funny story about that also i want to apologize i just moved my office and there's a little bit of it that's still under construction and i don't have a door yet <laughs> so you can hear some uh, isn't that kind of a discipline technique not to have a door you haven't earned a door it's a kind of a curious thing not to have well now you've got me wondering <laughs> yeah, I think that's a discipline technique, so you might want to look I'm into that. I'm feeling pretty inadequate all of a sudden. <laughs> Gonna have to earn your door. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was joking about Kurt's emotions being on the surface. Maybe we told this story in the podcast once, but once Kurt and I were negotiating with an employee leasing company for payroll, and I can't remember where he started, like 3 or 4% of payroll. And Kurt, when he's not feeling anything when he doesn't really care he has this blank look on his face but most people interpret it as just total hostility (laughs) (laughs) and kurt's making his blank face that by now i know well he's just sitting there listening but the guy doesn't know (laughs) what did he he negotiated himself down to a half a percent without you even saying anything i believe was what happened and I use that story for don't self-negotiate because we were good at the cup 2% or whatever it was. He kept going down and kept going down. But you know what? I was told I was teaching a seminar a couple months ago, and I was told what it was called. It's called RBF. RBF? What does that mean? Yeah. And I had to ask. I'm hesitant to say, but she says it's called resting bitch face. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, I have that. I do. I'm when I'm like I said, when I'm checked out or indifferent or just listening, I have this thing and I'm like, okay, I'm guilty. I will have to fix that. <laughs> so that's your term of the day. I'm like, I didn't know I had that. Well, thank you for telling me. I'm really me. struggling to find out if you're being serious right now. I'd be a dead serious. She was talking about a coworker who had this RBF and I was like, Well, what's going on? And I'm like, I have that. I have that. <laughs> so, and my wife, you know, when I'm sitting on a stand or doing other things, she kind of gets me, trying to get me to smile a little more. Because in my neutral, I do kind of have this hostile, aggressive look when it's something I'm working on. But now we know what it's RBF, and and who knew? <laughs> I who knew? <laughs> I have got that disease, and I am trying to fix it. I don't know if there's a cure. <laughs> But uh, it helped me in negotiation, though, huh? Resting bitch face? That's what they called it. And I don't know if that's a universal term. Listeners, let us know. <laughs> Send us an email. She talked about it like everybody knew what it was. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I have no idea what that uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's pretty good stuff. I did not know that this was the path we were headed down today. 
I didn't either. I was just like, wow, I have that. Yet here we are. But that's what she called it. Like, it was just, hey, everybody knows what this is. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, now we do. Now our listeners do, if they didn't already. So if you are plagued by that, let's get together. We'll fix it together. How's that? Yeah, you can go ahead and take a selfie and, and send it to us, and we'll tell you if you have RBF or not. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we'll have a selfie contest of those with the worst RBF. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does sound terrible. I got a bad case of RBF. <laughs> Right. That's why I asked her. I'm like, what is this thing? <laughs> sounds vile. She looks at me like, what are you, dumb? I'm like, I guess so. I've never heard that before. <laughs> All right. Well, Kurt has it. Kurt has it. Yeah, and, I do have yeah, it. It's a, yeah. it's a daily it journey. Negotiations, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> well, once again, welcome to the show, everybody. And I apologize for the background noise that you're you're inevitably going to hear. But we want to get going. If you've got feedback, questions, comments, insults, RBF, selfies, you know where to send them to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. And as always, follow us on Twitter at InfluenceMax or like us on Facebook. We post links to articles, and inevitably there are going to be some good RBF pictures on the Facebook page, too. <laughs> I, I can feel it coming. It's, gonna, it's coming. Yes. It's so excited. So, you know, we're kind of on the honor system here on the show, but I do not trust you at all that you played the <laughs> Urkel noise last week without me. <laughs> You got it. Yeah. I said, no way I'm doing this. Steve's not here. There is no Urkel. In fact, I played a different sound. Actually, I played the Scooby-Doo sound. The Scooby, okay, there's, I don't think there's a universal Scooby-Doo sound. What are you talking it about? It was the Scooby-Doo laugh. Oh, wow. And it had nothing to do with it. And you weren't there, and I did it for fun, so I'll take that. It's okay, everybody. I'm back. I'm back now. We'll, we'll get a leash on this thing. Kurt, you're going to have to cue that Urkel up because we have an awesome article about the 10 surprising facts about deception. All right, go, Urkel. <laughs> oh, so refreshing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do have a great article, the 10 surprising facts about deception. And, of course, this can be found in the Journal of Experimental Psychology and a couple other studies and a couple other places, but they came together thinking a lot about politicians and lying and deception and what are those subtle signs that people are lying and the question being would people lie to you <laughs> well probably and you can be a radar at detecting deception and here's some of the things they came up with the first one is there's no such thing as a perfect liar okay lying does not come naturally for people now they've learned how to do it in fact a study was done where they asked people to hide their genuine emotions and Using a variety of techniques, they found that there was always what they call emotional leakage. I call it micro-expressions or facial expressions that display their true feelings. I mean, we can hide a few things, but there's so many things going on when we're talking to people that we can't hide everything. So no such thing as a perfect liar. When you're really in tune and looking for those things, you can see those things. Second one is that most people are bad at detecting deception, right? Just like I mentioned that they're just not looking. They're thinking about what to say next. They're looking at their phone. They're really just not paying attention. Third one, lying affects how much you blink. That's an interesting one. People who hide their emotions tend to blink at a different rate. We see this with presidents that have lied in the past. You look at their blinking rates. They do increase when they lie. Next one is it's harder to fake negative emotions than positive ones. Is that when somebody tells you some bad news? And you really wanted to hear it, so you're like, oh, no, that's terrible. Exactly. The <laughs> negative ones. I mean, we can fake happiness. We can fake the smile. We can fake, oh, that's really good. I think we're much better at that. But the negative ones, it just was not as believable as the positive ones. Okay. 
Number five, liars use different words. Specifically, liars use more tentative words and use fewer words altogether. And parents, I think you see this with teenagers. It's, what did you do last night? Out. I'm very brief, specific. They just don't say as much. Now, here's an interesting one. It's harder to lie to people that you're attracted to. Oh, really? Yeah. Just goes on talk about that when there's an attraction there, it's just harder. That's not that it's not going to happen, but it's harder. Number seven, mouth movements can decide deceptive eye movements. So they found that people who are faking emotions tend to give away what they're actually feeling through momentary, what we called micro expressions earlier in their eyes. So basically it appears that when people are faking emotions with these micro expressions in their eyes, they reveal how they feel, but they follow up with these micro expressions in their mouth. And what it seems to be is that we tend to focus more on the mouth and the eyes a lot of times when we're talking to people. Okay, okay. Number eight, cheating makes you selectively forget moral rules. <laughs> One study showed that people were instructed not to cheat found that the ones who cheated anyway experienced selectively poor memories for morally relevant information than the honor code of telling them not to cheat. <laughs> All right. Then another one, they found that cheating can be fun for some people. They just love to cheat. That's what they do. They don't even have to cheat. I found this with some in-laws in my family that they cheat. It's just a game. We're just having fun, but they have to cheat. There's something about cheating, and they enjoy cheating, and that's true with deception. I think some people just try it to see if they can get away with it, even though they don't need to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've seen that with movie stars who don't need to shoplift plenty of money, but there's that kind of that thrill there, uh -huh. they do it anyway. Here's the last one, very interesting. Telling people don't be a cheater works better than telling them don't cheat. <laughs> Not sure on that one. That's kind of verbal packaging, but they tried the different word choices. They found that don't be a cheater somehow caused people not to cheat as much as don't cheat. And so that's kind of back into the verbal packaging world. And deception's an interesting thing. Some people will never do it. Some people always do it. And I think most people are generally good people, but the big message here is deceptions out there, whether it's negotiation or your prospects lying to you or you're watching a politician, we can be good at detecting deception. We just have to understand what we're looking for, when to look for it, and how to look for it. Okay. And that's what we want to talk about on the show today. It's been a while since we really dug into deception. And I think that as a persuader, as a leader, business owner, whatever your reason is for listening to this show, You've probably got, and you know, maybe they're not different kinds of deception. Maybe I've just deceived myself. But <laughs> I, I think you've got knee-jerk reactions, right? I had some obnoxious sales guys come to my door on Saturday. They're going to be the blunder next week. But I had knee-jerk reactions, and I want them to go away. And then there's kind of blatant, malicious deception of I'm trying to get the upper hand on you in a negotiation. I'm trying to screw you out of a deal. Uh, you know, what is it? So... Is this the same stuff that we would use to detect these, or are there different cues on knee-jerk reactions versus malicious deception? Yeah, there's different cues. I think a lot of the knee-jerk is we're trying to be nice. You look nice in that dress, or yeah, come back anytime, or I'll think about it, right? I think sometimes we deceive just to be nice, and that's kind of a different type of deception versus I'm in a negotiation. I don't want you to know. I'm taking you to the cleaners type of deceptions because when they're just trying to be nice, it's a little easier to find out sometimes. I think the two things you look for is, first of all, is does it make sense? If you're talking about, for example, you do real estate and say, hey, you know, I got some great real estate deals. You do this, this, and this. You can make this much money, and it's a no-brainer. And they say, oh, you have to deal with renters. Well, you know, when you're making X thousand dollars a month, that's not a big deal. Or you have to be in front of your computer. Or you have to talk to your family and friends. 
when someone's made their case a lot of times and proven the income they could make, those are knee-jerk reactions that don't make sense. That would be number one. The second one would be, have you already talked about it? Right? Is it just coming out of the blue? Have you already talked about it and they're bringing it up? That would be the knee-jerk versus what we're talking about today, I think, is that full-blown, I am deceiving you, I am lying to you type deception. That's where we got to look a little deeper into those micro-expressions that people are giving away the deception if you can look and really understand the science. So I'm a little bit intimidated by that term micro-expressions. I'm like, is it so small and it's so quick that just in my everyday goings-on, I'm not going to be able to catch it? Or is this something that the average person can see, that they can identify? I think a lot of times the micro-expressions, and that's just a quick expression in your eye and your face, that you cannot hide. I mean, that's the science by micro-expressions. You can't hide it. It just happens if you're lying, if you're deceiving people. And a lot of it's picked up subconsciously. We've talked to a lot of people who are just like, eh, they're lying something up. Usually it's incongruence with what they're saying and their expressions, those micro-expressions, and we feel they're lying. That's one way we can detect deception. The other expressions, which last longer, is another way to pick up on deception. So it kind of goes back to what we were discussing a few episodes ago on intuition. It's Your subconscious mind is going to be the one that traps those micro-expressions and that kind of gives you a feeling of, hey, something's not right here. We can only talk about subconscious mind and stuff going on under the surface so much. What about some of these overt things that people do that we can consciously observe? One big one before we kind of go into the facial expressions is the disconnects, the incongruence between what's happening and their emotion. Meaning when people are angry, they're angry, you can see it. But if they do something like, oh, that makes me angry, and then a second later they hit the table. There's a disconnect there because that should all happen at the same time. They're actually inventing those emotions. That's a big disconnect you look for. And then from there, you're looking at their eyes, arms, shoulders, legs, head. There's a lot of things that you can look at specifically. For example, let's take the eyes. That's the first one people think about. Oh, they're not looking at me. They're not lying. And, and here's the big lesson here as we talk about these things is that you're looking for clusters. As you become good at this, you're looking for three or four things that indicate deception. Just because they touch their face, just because they can't look at you, just because they can't sit still, just because they're sweating profusely doesn't mean they're lying to you. But if you get all those at one time, then all of a sudden it can tell you a lot of things. And that's why it's important before you do any type of negotiation is that you're looking for their default setting. Meaning before a negotiation starts, talk about the weather or sports or what's going on in their life or their children and kind of look for their default setting and how much they look at you with your eyes and how they sit and what they're doing. Now you have a baseline to look for different things in their expressions and what they're doing and how they're sitting and how they're looking at you when you're doing that. And so once you have, let's say, their baseline on their eye contact, and that's the one we all think about, what you're looking for with eye contact is something that's different, meaning it changes. Some people will just almost stare you down. Oh, I got to look at them because I'm lying because I don't want to look away. I don't want to look away. Yeah. It's different though. It's forced. Or they might be the type of person that avoids eye contact completely going back to their childhood, feeling shame for lying. You might see, like we talked about in the study, increased blinking. That's one indicator that it could be lying. And a lot of people too, if you're close enough, their pupils will dilate. That could be another indicator that they're feeling nervous inside, that there could be deception. The eyes truly are the window of the soul. The main thing here is you're looking for something different from that default setting in their eyes. How long does it take to get a baseline, you think? Oh, I would say three, five minutes. It doesn't take that long to see their relaxed, casual. Let's talk about the weather, children, sports type of things. Probably don't want to bring up politics because that might make them nervous and tense and uneasy. Yeah, yeah. Things that just looking for their basic 
talking, how they react, how they sit, how they look at you, I'd say three to five minutes, you're probably pretty good. It doesn't take that long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's all about getting the baseline. How are they deviating from it? And it kind of struck me that a good liar is going to do some of the things that a bad liar wouldn't. Like a bad liar is going to avoid the eye contact, get little sheepish, turn away from you. Whereas a good liar knows they're not supposed to do those things. And so they way overcompensate the other direction. Exactly. Exactly. And remember, a lot of times you see it, it takes a lot more mental energy. I mean, you could see the wheels spinning a lot more, which would cause longer pauses, more vocal fillers, speech errors, maybe a change in volume could be something that you're looking for. The rate could increase or decrease depending on their personality. Remember, that it takes a lot more mental energy to lie, and you can just see the wheels spinning and a lot more mental energy, those pauses and vocal fillers. That can change the game too. So is there any truth to somebody looking up and to their own right? They're accessing the creative side of their brain to come up with some BS is the way <laughs> that we would say that in every, every man terms. Is that true? It is. If you're a right-handed person, it's not 100%, but we teach this with interrogators to where the eye contact, eye movement can tell you a lot. As you're looking, you're looking up into their right or your left, that's called visually constructed. They're actually constructing things that never happened before. They're inventing something. They're saying something that they're creating, visually creating in their mind. And so there is a lot of truth to that. I mean, that's a whole science we can spend a lot of time with, but there is truth to eye movements and things that really make a big difference when you're trying to detect deception. You mentioned earlier that we want to look for this in clusters. I think most people are going about their day not assuming that everybody's lying to them. They're just assuming that and they're giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. But there's probably two or three things that are red flags that if you see happen, it's time to go on alert and start looking for clusters. What do you think are some of the most popular, I don't know if popular is the right word, but <laughs> common ways that people are going to start showing that they're they're being deceptive? Well, eye contact, and this is going to depend obviously if you're face-to-face or over the phone. Even an email, we know that if there's a delay in response, that could indicate deception. Not guaranteeing. I mean, they were busy. But eyes is a big one. Mouth, biting the lip, dry mouth, a fake smile would be one to look at. And looking at the body, too, when people tend to lie, they tend to take up less space if they're sitting down. They might slump a little bit. They might want more space. They're backing up from you. One thing that's really beneficial in the body is it's almost that they're becoming mechanical or robotic. Because now they're thinking about their gestures and their body movement and their eyes. And now they're trying to making these fake gestures. They're not spontaneous. They're not real. It's almost like their gestures are made up or more mechanical. Again, they're taking up less space. They might be more rigid or more trying to be too relaxed, like the way they're slumping in their seat or sitting back in their seat. Those are things that you're looking for, along with, of course, the longer pauses and vocal fillers that we talked about because their brain is taking up more bandwidth and they are trying to think of different excuses or different things they need to say in this moment. Yeah, we've said that on the show before, that lying takes up a lot of bandwidth. It takes up a lot of mental horsepower. And so they're going to give something away. They can't do everything right when they're trying to do all these things together. And, you know, the smarter somebody is, the better the liar they are. I, I know a guy who is just a big, fat liar pants on fire the whole deal right (laughs) and he's a pretty smart guy i think he has a photographic memory and he is very good in the moment but a couple of my associates and i joke that he needs to keep a spreadsheet of his lies because he tells everybody something different 
and he's not reconciling all these, or he'll tell you something or a story. This guy is pretty good, but he just can't. This is where he gives up. Everybody has to give up something, some kind of a detail, no matter how intelligent they are. So I guess it's whether it's subordinates, people you're negotiating with, uh, prospects. You want to know if you're being lied to. And like Kurt said, those are some of the quick indicators to put you on alert. They are. Just be more perceptive. And a lot of things are just obvious. For example, facial expressions when they have a smile that lasts too long or the angry face that lasts too long. Most expressions might last five seconds, but they start going longer than that. You can tell they're just kind of milking a little bit. An interesting thing about liars, too, is that they're going to keep testing you to see if you believe them, right? They're going to keep repeating different things. And yeah. the other thing, too, is that people that deceive expect you to deceive. Mm. Meaning, the person that accuses you of watering down the drink is the type of person that would water down a drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can kind of get a feel for that, too, when you're talking to somebody. And you got to decide if it's time to run or if you really want to do business with this person. Uh, that's the good point. Anything else we should be aware of on this? One last thing, and mentioned a little bit earlier, is looking at the content. A lot of people are going to be lack of detail. The other half might do informational overload. They're going to give you way too much detail. Another thing you might see, too, is an inappropriate humor, laughing at the wrong spot because they're nervous inside, tension's increased, blood's leaving the brain, they're not thinking as clearly as they normally would. Just being perceptive can really be a helpful thing when you're detecting deception. It'll be great whether it be for family members, family reunions, children, negotiations, coworkers, prospecting, whatever it is, this will be very, very helpful to you. Awesome. Awesome. This is a fun topic. If you have listeners have any stories or any examples of when you've noticed somebody and you've kind of busted them because of some of this behavior, we'd sure like to hear about it. Feel free to send it in to us and we'll talk about it on the show. Maximize your influence at gmail.com. In the meantime, Kurt, we need you to queue up the ninja. Go ninja. Go ninja. Go. So we have said a lot of times on the show that one of the most powerful and overused laws of persuasion is law of scarcity, the concept of urgency, and that when it's legitimate, it's super powerful. When it's not, it's ultra cheesy, high dairy content, and it's just not going to work very well. And I work with a couple of guys. I'm in a real estate office. And a couple of weeks ago, one of them sent out this Evite to a webinar that a very popular personal development author, uh, Darren Hardy, he's the publisher of Success Magazine. He was going to be doing this webinar about, and I can't even remember what it's about anymore, but it was I was really excited. I wanted to go on this webinar, but I couldn't make it at the time that it was going to be happening. And he said, this is the only time we're going to do it. You got to make it at this time. And what did I think? Ah, cheesy scarcity, not real, not going to happen. Well, it came and went, and I went on his website, and I went to the old page. It was all gone. An email came out a couple of days after it, and it said, hey, guess what? We're sorry if you couldn't join us. As you know, that was a one-time only event. Be sure to get on our mailing list for the next time we do one of these. Am I on the list now? <laughs> you betcha. I'm, I know. He's serious. When he says he's going to pull an offer, he pulls the offer. So he has urgency with me. He has scarcity. And now I believe what he says. Very good use of the law of scarcity to Darren Hardy of Success Magazine. And I'm giving two thumbs up, too, just because when you use scarcity, do what you say you're going to do, right? And it'll help us all out as persuaders and influencers to help the world believe that if you say it, you're going to do it. And that dramatically increases the value of scarcity when people know you're going to actually pull it. You're not going to do it. The sale ends today. Whatever it is, I am just glad people are doing that and said, all right, we'll let you watch it. We'll let you do it. We'll extend the That's sale. That's right. That's right. Yep. 
So yeah, hats off to Darren Hardy. Good job. Way to be a ninja. Everybody, we appreciate you listening to the show today. Remember to follow us on Twitter at InfluenceMax, or you can like us on Facebook and send your comments, questions, derogatory remarks, selfies. What was the, the thing for the, the passive uh, face? The RBF. Yes, resting face of some variety <laughs> that uh, Kurt enlightened us on. So look forward to getting all that stuff from you. We're going to catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Go out and persuade with power, and we'll see you next week.